0: Turn your Bibles this morning, if you would, to Galatians chapter number 5, Galatians chapter number 5. We're going to get right into the Word of God and and move uh, quickly this morning. I do have a few points, but the points aren't long, um, unlike the Sunday school lesson. <laughs> Just talking to Brother Hunt, we... we uh, Kind of that, that there was more there than we had time to get done. That's for sure. We had to kind of just skip over and, and pick some highlights and then wrap it up at the end because uh, there was a lot of material there. Well, this morning, the, 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 I don't expect the message to be too long, but I hope it'll be pointed. I hope it uh, Holy Spirit will use it to challenge you uh, spiritually in your life and what God has for you. Look, if you would, in Galatians chapter number five, if you're there, say amen. All right, we're going to look down at verse number 7, reading verse 7, 8, and 9. He says here, Ye did run well, who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. Once again, we see here the apostle using a descriptive characteristic about the Christian life in which we are uh, put in a race that we are running. We are going somewhere. The very act or idea of running in a race means you have a direction. It means you have a purpose. It means you got a place to be. You've got a goal line somewhere down the road, and, and you're in a race. I don't think anybody here would uh, debate the fact that often in the Christian life, there or in the Scriptures, the Christian life is likened unto a runner in a race. Uh, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians nine twenty four says, Know ye not, they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. So run that ye may obtain. He says, hey, there's a race to run. Listen, beloved, in the moment that you got saved, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, a couple things happened. First of all, praise God for his glorious grace because your eternal destiny was changed, amen? At one point, you had an eternal destiny where you were gonna spend a place that the Bible calls hell, the place that burneth with fire and brimstone and where the fire is not quenched and it's an eternity of torment and terrible, terrible thing, but your eternity destiny was changed from eternity in hell to eternity in heaven. Amen? We praise God for that. And if you're here this morning, you put your faith and trust in Christ, you bowed your head and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. Nothing I can do to pay for my sin myself, but I know Jesus died for me. And I ask you to forgive me of my sin and take me to heaven when I die. God says at that moment you trust Jesus Christ that your soul is now made a child of God. You've been adopted into the family of God. You've been given a place in heaven and freed from the penalty of hell. We praise God for that. But not only that. You were put into a race. You said, What? (laughs) I didn't sign up for that. That's not what I was planning. At the moment of salvation, you got put into this race, a race that as Christians we're supposed to be running. We've got a direction to go, we've got something to accomplish, we've got a, a plan that God has for our life. And if you haven't, if you're still upright, you're still kicking, you're still breathing, you're still in the race. Some of you might be moving a little slower than you used to in the race, but you're still in the race, amen? Amen. As long as you can still get up and keep moving, you're in the race for God. And, And he says here in this passage of scripture, he begins out, he says, ye did run well. He says, hey, you started out strong. You hit the track with a vengeance, but something happened. Something got in the way. Something hindered you, and you're not running well anymore. I see Amanda here, and she teaches a large group of very young children in school. Have you ever had to sit down with them and try and teach them how to color in the lines? Yes. And you begin to show them, and how many times have you seen them coloring in the lines, doing really good, and then you're like, okay, they've got it, and you go over here to help somebody else, and then you come back, and there's scribbles all over the whole page. You're like, "What are you doing? You you were doing so good. You were you were doing really pretty. Look at how nice that was. Why did you scribble all over the whole page?" And they're like, "Well, something hindered me." <laughs> They're like, yeah, I didn't have the patience to do that like you were talking about. I just colored the whole thing, you know. It's a, it's a training process. And, and sometimes in the Christian life, God puts us in a race and he's got a place for you to go. He's got something for you to be running after. And, and he says, hey, you started out strong. What happened? What hinders you? This morning, I would like to preach to you on that thought. What has hindered you? He says, you did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? Very clear principle here that sometimes we start out strong, but there's things that hinder us. I think about some little boys in a race. And sometimes the one who is definitely the underdog, you've seen this happen where, they take off and they're running, and the one that's losing knows there's no way he's going to win. So he grabs onto the one that's running, and he's holding him back. Right? Like I'm not going to win by just letting you go. So I'm going to hold you back. I'm going to hinder you from running so that I can uh, be be at least in in the group that crosses the finish line at the end. Sometimes there's things in our life that hinder us from running well. There's some things that get in the way of your spiritual growth and the path that God wants you on. They hinder you from being all and accomplishing all that God wants you to accomplish. Beloved, what is it this morning that's hindering you? What's hindering you from having the family that God wants you to have? What's hindering you from being the gospel witness that God wants you to be? What's hindering you from being the prayer warrior that God is calling you to be? What's hindering you from running the race? I want to give you a few things that we see in the scripture that that hinder us. And maybe you would look at it and say, you know what, I'm letting that hinder me. And this morning, by God's grace, I want to to stop letting that be a hindrance. First of all, we know that there's somebody that desires to hinder us. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 18 says, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, once and again, but Satan hindered me. Paul said, God had a plan. He wanted me to get over to this group of people. It was God's plan that I go and minister to them. And he says, and I would have done it. But Satan hindered me. You guys ever had a plan? You had something you were going to do. You knew it was right to do. But old slewfoot yeah. yeah. got in the way. Satan, he hindered you. He stopped you. You know, he has a way of working. You know, things can happen. Like you drop your glasses. <laughs> things can, I mean, why is it this, the car breaks down on Sunday morning? In your heart and mind, you're like, man, I'm going to get up and go to church tomorrow morning. The car has started every morning for the last month, but on Sunday morning, there's a dead battery. Satan hindered you. Satan knew that there was something that was going to take place on that morning that was going to be life-changing for you, was going to feed your soul in a way that you didn't even understand or comprehend, and so he hindered you from getting where God wanted you to be. Beloved, Satan is real. But what he promises is false. Satan promises the best, but he pays with the worst. Right. Satan promises honor, but he delivers disgrace. Right. Yeah. Satan promises pleasure, but ends with pain. Right. Satan promises profit, but pays in loss. He promises life. The best life, the greatest life, but he pays with death. Satan is real, but what he promises is false. The Bible says that Satan is known by many different things. He's called the ruler of darkness. He's called a serpent. He's called the tempter. He's the God of this world, an unclean spirit, an evil spirit, a lying spirit. The Bible calls him a wicked one, the accuser of the brethren, Beelzebub. He's the father of all lies. That's who Satan is. And he is your adversary, and he wants to keep you from doing what God wants you to do. He wants to hinder you from being able to run the race. That's why the Bible tells us be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. He is your adversary and he is real and he'll do all he can to hinder you. Are you letting Satan hinder you in the race today? God has a race he wants you on. God has something he wants you to do. But Satan's trying to hinder you. Satan's trying to hinder you. He's a master of disguise. There was two six-year-old boys that were struggling, arguing over the problem of the existence of Satan. One boy raised in a good church in a Sunday school every Sunday and, He was saying, Satan's real. And the other boy's like, no, he's not. He's fake. It's false. And and the other boy says, he's real. Everywhere, all through the Bible, it talks about Satan. And the other boy says, no, Satan is just like Santa Claus. He's just, you're going to find out that he's actually your dad. You know, some of you probably think Satan's incarnate in your life somewhere. You've got somebody, hopefully you're not sitting next to him today. You've got somebody in your life and you say, boy, that's, that's Satan incarnate. I mean, that, that person is hindering me from being what God wants me to be. Satan is real and he'll do all he can to hinder you, to keep you from being all that God wants you to be. But I want to remind you this morning that although he's real and he's powerful, he is limited. Right. Yeah. He's not omniscient. He is not all-knowing. He is not omnipotent. He does not have all power. He is not omnipresent. He cannot be in all places at all times. No, he's limited. That's why the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. That God has provided for you with every temptation, he's provided a way of escape. Just think about the privilege, the opportunity that you have with every temptation that comes to take the way of escape. The way of escape that God provides. You can give in and let Satan hinder you or you can take the way of escape that God provided and have victory. God has power over Satan. I remember the story of a just old like you know, parable or whatever this uh, Satan and Christ were talking and Satan was talking about how he could do anything that Christ could do. And he was as powerful as Christ. And Christ says, okay, make man. And Satan bent down and began to shape the man. And and God slapped his hand and said, get your own dirt. (laughs) Listen, greater is he that is in you than he is in the world. God's on your side and Satan wants to hinder you, but you don't have to let him hinder you. But beloved... He'll do all he can to hinder you. There's a missionary to Haiti. And this missionary on this mission trip to Haiti, he he's serving the Lord there, and he was told after he'd been there a little while about a a Haitian parable. And the the parable is told of a man who had a home that he wanted to sell, and he was gonna sell his home for two thousand dollars. And somebody wanted the home, but the individual didn't have enough money to buy it. The most that he could come up with was 1000 And they bickered and argued for a while. And ultimately, the seller of the home said, okay, I'll sell it to you for $1,000. i will let you buy it. But I want to keep one nail in the living room. In, on the wall in the living room was a nail. And the guy thought, well, that's not that big a deal. I'll buy it then. And he bought the house for $1,000, half the going rate. He lived there for a couple of years, and one day the original owner came back and said, hey, I want this house back. And he says, no, I bought it for $1,000. And the guy says, well, not all of it. I still own that nail right there. And he says, yeah. So the man, the original owner, went out and found an old dead animal on the side of the road, brought it into the living room, and used the nail and stuck it on the wall in the living room. And after a little while, the stench Was so bad that it made the home unlivable. And he got possession of his house again. The parable is this if you give Satan one peg, one nail in your life, he'll come back with all the demons of hell and he'll come back with all of his garbage, hang it up on that peg. And make it unfit for Christ. Satan wants to hinder you, but he does. you don't have to let him. I want you to see that also society desires to hinder you. It's mind-boggling to me that in the world in which we live, everything in society goes directly against what the Christian believes. Society as a whole is in an all-out war against all things godly. Beloved, it's a fight. It's a fight for the family. It's a fight for the traditional family mom and dad and children raised up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's a fight for biblical manhood. This world and society is doing all they can to take uh, all of what God has given a man in his personality and character traits and trying to rob him of that. Take all that away. Say you shouldn't do that. You know, I remember when I was a kid, I grew up in in you know old fashioned bible preaching you know like hellfire and brimstone preaching i'm a very mild preacher i i i, I am very tactful i strive to be some of you are like what i don't think so pastor kale <laughs> compared to what i grew up on you guys are getting sugar okay what I'm saying is when I was when I was growing up preachers preached hard against the blending of the sexes. Yeah. Right. I'm 48 years old. So we're talking almost 50 years ago preachers back then were talking about the problems that were going to come if you allow the sexes to be blended. If you don't keep the distinction between man and woman. Right. Those preachers are dead and gone. But I can tell you that what they talked about coming to pass has come to pass in this country. It's what we're dealing with today. I don't know about you, but just... Sometimes I just get weary of fighting everything in society going against God. It's just hard. You guys know I like Elon Musk. I mean, he's a smart guy. Brilliant. I was listening to one of his speeches this week, and he talked about the last time that we had this CO2 levels in in the atmosphere was like 230 billion years ago. And uh, he said the last time there was this much CO2 was way back then, back when man began to walk upright. And I thought, how in the world can a guy so smart be so stupid? Where do they get in their mind that, that they have any idea about that? And they sell it as fact. But you see, they've got to come up with some solution that removes God. Right. Yeah. Right. And that's, when, when you do that, you end up with faulty thinking. Right. Society goes against everything. Society is going to try and hinder you from running the race that God has for you. Yeah. Yeah. But don't let it. Don't let it. Let's move on. I want you to see their seducers. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 13 and 14, he says, But evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. He says, But continue thou in the things that thou hast learned. There's going to be evil seducers. There's going to be people that come in and try and trick you into believing false doctrine, false teaching, false standards. They're going to try and bring things into your life that aren't what God has for you. They're going to try and hinder you. It's going to wax worse and worse. But he says, hey, continue in the things that thou hast learned. There's going to be those that will come in and try and take and pervert the truth. But we're to run well. You know, there's a real link between running right and running well. You know, a few years ago, there was a runner in a marathon that won, and they found out several weeks later uh, that he took his GPS tracker off and put it on somebody else, and then he cut through, and then entered the race back in the last, you know, a few miles, grabbed his GPS tracker back, and ran across the finish line. It was a couple weeks later, they found him. They found him on a like a traffic cam or something, like a mile and a half off the trail. They had to take him from his, you know, you got to run. Running well means running right. You're in the race. you got to run well. Don't let these evil seducers come in and trick you. You know, everything that claims to be Christian is not Christian. You know, in the, in the, two things that are diametrically opposed cannot both be right. I know we don't like absolute truth today. We like to say everybody has their opinion and every opinion is just as valid as somebody else's. Not if it contradicts God. God's Word is truth. And this is the, the final rule for faith and practice. If they can't point to it and say, here's chapter and verse, this is what God said. And they'll use, sometimes they'll even use Bible. They're evil seducers. They try and trick you. The Bible is clear that we're to try the spirits and see if they be of God. The Bible is clear that by their fruits, ye shall know them. It's the fruit that you see over time. How many of you know this morning that sometimes storms hinder you? I mean, how can they not? Some of you had some storms recently. Sometimes it's a physical storm. How can that not hinder you? It gets in the way. Storms consume so much energy, so much of your time and and effort and goal. The storms of life, they come in and sometimes they they hinder us. They may slow us down, but don't let it get you out of the race. Don't let the storm pull you aside and where you throw in the towel and give up. Beloved, sometimes storms come into our life because of God wants to develop us like he did with the disciples. He brought a storm into their life so that they could learn to trust him, so that they could see God deliver them, so that they could have faith and trust God in the next storm. So sometimes the storms in your life are just a test to develop you. But do you know, sometimes the storms in our life uh, are sin. You remember that guy named Jonah that was running from God and God sent a storm. A storm that they thought was going to kill him ultimately they had to throw him overboard. So sometimes the storm you're going through might be because God wants to develop you but sometimes it might be because you're in sin and you need to get right. You need to get right with God. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. You look at the Sea of Galilee, I mean, you could see across it. You look at it and you think, how could the disciples be concerned about a storm on this sea? I mean, it doesn't look that far. Well, the Sea of Galilee is 600 feet below sea level. And what happens, it sits in a valley And there can be very strong thermal exchanges that take place. And in just a matter of minutes, that thermal exchange can take place where the cold air hits the hot air, it collides, and a fierce storm can arise abruptly, almost like an explosion on the scene. You know, sometimes there's things in your life, one thing collides with another, and a storm hits. A storm hits abruptly. You weren't expecting it. You weren't ready for it. You didn't have any time to prepare. You get that phone call. It's cancer. Mom's, mom's dying. You get the phone call. We're going to have to let you go. And that storm hits. What are you going to do? You're going to let it get you out of the race? let God use it to develop you, to be a better runner. You know, sometimes the sin that we let into our life hinders us. You know, we're supposed to, the Bible says, to lay aside every weight. Those of you that know the verse, it says, lay aside every weight and what? Sin. It does so easily beset you. Sometimes there's some weights we've got to lay aside to run well. But sometimes there's some sin that we've led in our life that's hindering us. The apostle said, you did run well. But something's hindering you from continuing in that race and being what God wants you to be, from accomplishing what God wants you to accomplish, from having the home that God wants you to have, from being the Christian that God wants you to be, from being the soul winner that God wants you to be, from being the giver that God wants you to be, from being the kind of husband God wants you to be, from being the kind of wife God wants you to be, from being the kind of son or daughter that God wants you to be. You started out strong. You did run well, but what hindered you something hindered you in 1 John 1 verse 7 8 and 9 we see but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanses us from all sin he says if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but if we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And it was a few years ago that the thought from this verse struck me like a ton of bricks. We love that verse. If uh, we confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the verse before that, he says, if we say we have no sin, we lie, and the truth is not in us. And what struck me as a Baptist preacher is how many times in my life I've said, I have no sin. Oh, not, not, I didn't get up and say, hey, I'm, I'm perfect. But what I'm saying is I, in my heart and in my mind, I thought, yeah, I'm good. Nothing wrong with me. Nothing I need to deal with. I know there are sinners out there. And boy, if they confess it, God will forgive them. But he says here, if you say you have no sin. And you say, well, I'm glad that's not me. I've never done that. Well, let me ask you, when was the last time you confessed a sin to God? You see, we get real sanctimonious in our pews. I say, when was the last time you said, God, this was wrong. I sinned against you. Would you forgive me right now? I dare say there's people in here, it's been months, maybe years. Years. God's ready and willing to forgive you. Sin will hinder you and your race, friend. Sin is deceitful. It's destructive. And it'll always cost you. Sammy was a young boy growing up in Georgia, down south. He uh, did what those southern boys do. He didn't know much about video games, but he sure liked hunting and fishing. He sure liked being outside. And uh, by the way, it would do some of you boys some good to put the video games down and get outside. That's, that's free. Sammy, he looked for any opportunity that he could get free. And he would go down to the pond by the house there and do some fishing. He loved fishing. Any chance he could get free. And one Christmas morning, or Christmas morning, one summer morning, he was supposed to go, uh, he was supposed to be free all day. He thought, oh, tomorrow... I'm going fishing. First thing in the morning, I'm going to get my bait bucket, going to go out and dig up some bait, going to go down to the creek, go down to the pond. I'm going to put my line in. I'm going to fish all day. And boy, he was looking forward to it. The crack of sunrise, he he saw the sun coming over. He was excited. He, he got up and, and grabbed his pail and his fishing rod and his little shovel to go dig up some bait and went out into the woods to find some bait. He was kicking over rocks and moving leaves and pushing over stumps to find some worms and found one or two here and there. But he pushed over one stump and he found a whole patch of worms. He thought, boy, I hit the jackpot. And he picked up all these worms and put them in his bait bucket. He said, man, I'm ready. And he went down to the creek. He went down there and he, he grabbed one of his worms and he, he double hooked it, didn't want to get in the way, double hooked it, put threw it into the water. I mean, it wasn't very long at all. And he had a bite. He was reeling it in. as he was reeling it in, he he, he, he thought, boy, my hand feels kind of funny, and he, but he's like, oh, this is exciting, man. He's reeling it in. He's pulling in this, this fish, and he's getting, he's like, boy, that's a whopper. He got it, put it on his line, put it back in the water, uh, held it there, and then he got another uh, worm, stuck it on his, on his fish, on his, on his hook to, to grab another fish. And, and as he's doing that, he felt something sting his hand, and he thought, what, what was that? But he wasn't too worried about it. He was excited, man. He just caught one of the biggest fish he ever caught. And he, he threw the line back in the water. A little over an hour later, he had caught eight massive fish. He had all day, but he thought, he was too excited. He thought, boy, I need to take these fish and I need to take them home and show mom and dad what I caught. This is the best day fishing I've ever had. He reached down in there, he picked up the line and threw it over his shoulder and grabbed his fishing rod and grabbed his bait bucket and he's walking home and he's walking down the road towards his house. And the sheriff from town comes on by and the sheriff rolls down his window and says, hey, Sammy, I see you got quite a catch there. And he's like, boy, do I. Look at this, I got all eight of these in the last hour. Man, I had some, some worms that just drew them fish in. And the sheriff looked over at Sammy's arm and Sammy's arm was, was red as could be and was starting to turn yellow. And he said, Sammy, what have you been into? He's like, I haven't been into anything. I've just been fishing. He says, well, why is your arm all swelled up like that? He's like, I, I don't know. And the sheriff put the car in park and got out and says, what, what, what were you getting? Let me see. What were you using for bait? He's like, oh, I found all these worms in one place. And He looked down into his bait bucket and found out that he was using baby rattlesnakes. For bait. Those baby rattlesnakes had bit little, little tiny bits of venom into his arm. Treated right away or just one by itself would have been okay. But he kept going. The sheriff knew what the situation was and he put the boy in his car right away and he turned his lights off and headed to the hospital when he arrived at the hospital, was going to get Sammy out of the back seat of his car, they found that his heart had stopped beating. Sammy died. He had had the best day fishing he had ever had. But it killed him. You see, Satan and the sin that's out there, the appetites that this world offers, look so Alluring. Looks so exciting. Looks at, wow, look at that. Boy, wouldn't that be awesome? But Satan's taking one little bite at a time. Yeah. Right. And it's going to cost you. Right. Yeah. It's going to hinder you from running well. I ask you this morning, what's hindering you? Have you let some storms hinder you from running well? Have you let some sin hinder you? Maybe you allowed Satan, he's our adversary. He's a powerful adversary. And you looked at, maybe I I just can't beat him. He's too strong, so you've just given in. But hey, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And God wants to deliver you today. What's hindering you from running well?